Welcome back to Louie Body and Mindful Caregiving. I'm Crystal Joukowsky, your host, and I'm really, as always, I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you're getting as much out of listening or watching this as I am um, sharing my experience and my knowledge and um, just my life through this challenge. We start off with self-care, right? So what did I do for self-care? I um, had lunch with a really good friend because um, she is a fellow minister and she helps me remember the spiritual aspect of all of this. And um, I ground in that truth. And um, so I'm very, very grateful for her. And I also went dancing to ladies night at the Avalon. And um, it's a lot of fun because it's country Western and they do line dancing and all sorts of fun. And it's just great. And I laugh a lot. And Laughter is really, really important um, because there's not a ton of joy in being a caregiver. Um, it's often very sad and upsetting and weighty. And you may find yourself crying a lot. And finding those pinpricks of light and joy are few and far between. They can be. And I recognize that I don't, I'm not pulling those in, even though I'm doing self-care and I'm watching out for myself, I'm not finding the joy as often. And so dancing um, and letting myself laugh and letting myself be free and experience that joy, um, just because my mom is in the space that she's in, uh, does not mean that I can't be in a different space. So it was fun and wonderful and they do it every month. So I plan to go again. <laughs> so that was my self-care, uh, brunch with a friend and dancing and letting myself feel alive for a little while. This week, I want to talk about a hard truth. And when I first learned this and understood this, I, uh, I didn't really listen and pay attention. Um, I was, I learned it in the savvy caregiver class. And then I learned it. Like I took the class again because one of my siblings wanted to take it. And I was, that's um, something was going on with my mom at the same time. And it really hit home for me. Um, Lewy body or dementia is rarely ever the listed cause of death. Um, in fact, I want to say never, but they say never say never. So um, the cause of death is often something else. When it comes to Lewy body um, or dementia in general, um, the body shuts down in different ways. And towards the end, people are unresponsive and they're, they're, they're um, bedridden. They're often incontinent. Um, they're often reliant on other people for feeding and everything else that um, comes with living life. And it depends on the depth of where your loved one is. My mom has done um, her dementia directives and her dementia directives state that when she gets to the latter part of the middle stages that, and this is just rough vocabulary, <laughs> um, when you know what the stages are and understand all the stages, then um, my mom and I have that conversation 
of what that means to her, but she wants to be let go. She wants to go on comfort measures only. And so she won't necessarily get to the bedridden, unresponsive part because she does not want to be that dependent on other people to keep her alive. She would rather just be kept comfortable and allow her to go. Um, that means, and not even just my mom's, but um, the natural state of things means that they can die from a myriad of things. If you are bedridden, then it's entirely possible that you can get a bed sore and that that can go septic and that septic, that sepsis can kill you. Um, you could get a kidney infection, a bladder infection, kidney stones, um, and it could be what kills you, even though it is perfectly treatable, you could just die from that. You could get pneumonia. Um, they could get pneumonia and, um, that's what takes them out. They could aspirate, meaning that one of the symptoms as they decline is that they can forget how to swallow. And if you can't swallow, then how can you eat food and you can choke and they choke a lot. And so they could choke on something and die. There are a myriad of ways that the body can shut down. And while these things are very treatable, it's more merciful to let them go. My mom has diabetes and it's medication induced. And in the very beginning, her numbers were over 400 which is very high. And we took her into the emergency room and they gave her um, potassium water and brought it down and encouraged her to change her diet so that uh, it would be better. And we put her on a continuous glucose monitor in order to pay attention to what her blood sugars were. And I went to her doctor and I said, we need to fix this. And um, the doctors aren't necessarily in agreement. Um, two out of three doctors agree that it is medication induced. And one of them says, no, there's no way that that's what this is. And yet it all started spiking once we put her on the medications for Lewy body dementia. So my belief is that it is absolutely medication induced. And if it's medication induced, then it's less treatable by food and that means that we have to do more medications. And these medications have brought my mom's blood sugar down, but now my mom will tank and she'll, her blood sugars will go down to 70 and then they'll go down to 50 and they'll be pretty low. And then she'll eat cereal and it will make it spike to 250. And then it'll crash again um, a couple of hours later because all she had was the simple carbs and the sugars. And so she kind of yo-yos a bit. And we recognize that because I have her on this continu gl continuous glucose monitor. Now, the thing with diabetes is that if you let it go too low for too long, it deprives your brain of the simple, of the glucose that it needs. And in depriving your brain of glucose, it means that you can be confused. You can be lethargic. 
you can be forgetful. Many of the signs and symptoms of dementia are presented when they have low blood sugar. They are also increased when they have high blood sugar. They're confused. They're a little bit lethargic. They are forgetful. It's crazy how things like that or a bladder infection can present like dementia. And so people treat the dementia, but the first thing you need to check for is whether or not they have an infection. If you leave the blood sugar too low for too long, it can lead to seizures and a coma and sometimes even death. Well, the thing is, my mom would let herself go low and I would say, mom, you need to eat something. And she would say, no, I don't want to. I will eat in a while. And she would let it go lower. She has Lewy body dementia. She doesn't remember everything. And I ended up having a conversation with her and saying, mom, are you aware? Do you know what happens to the body? And this was in one of her more lucid moments. Remember, she's currently 75% able to function. And so she has these very lucid moments where I'm able to talk with her and she's more lucid than she is confused. So in one of those moments, um, and I'm able to talk to her more in the morning than in the afternoon, evening, she gets a little bit of that sundowners where she gets tired and a little bit sad and withdraws um, in the evening and doesn't like change. So the morning is better to talk to her. And I went in and I talked to her and I said, Hey mom, uh, do you know what happens when your blood sugar goes super low? And she didn't, she, she said she didn't. So we talked about that and I explained to her that if she goes super low, her end of life, and she went into a coma that her end of life wishes are that she doesn't get a feeding tube and she doesn't get an IV for liquids. And, um, that means that she is in a coma kept comfortable until she dies which means that as she chooses not to eat when her blood sugar is so very low, she is saying that she is okay if she is ready to die. And she was surprised at that. And then we talked about what would happen if her blood sugar was super high. And I explained to her that your liver has a hard time with all of that extra glucose and so do your kidneys and that eventually that can cause liver damage and kidney damage. And again, she was like, but I feel fine. So then we had the conversation about how a smoker feels fine and they keep smoking and they can end up with lung cancer. The smoke is damaging their lungs, but they feel fine until all of a sudden they don't. And that's kind of the same thing here. We also talked about the fact that someone who drinks a lot of alcohol might be just fine they don't feel horrible. They don't feel any different until one day it's, oh, you have cirrhosis of the liver and there's not a hell of a lot we can do for you. So just because you feel fine doesn't mean that your internal organs aren't struggling due to what's going on. So how do I deal with this? How do I work with my mom? How do I make sure that she's got better foods, you know? Initially, I was very angry and frustrated because I was like, if she would just, if she would just make better choices, if she would have some protein with her toast 
in the morning, then maybe it would level things out a little bit and it wouldn't be quite so spiky and crashy and, and it would just improve. If she would just eat when she's super low, then I wouldn't worry about the internal things that are going on. If she's low and if she's like confused and whatnot, I know that I need to check it. Are you low? If she's super tired, are you low? And she doesn't think through those things. I look at it as a normal, healthy, sane person. I look at it and I say, but it's treatable. <laughs> this is treatable. And the thing is that with uh, the myriad of things that could take them out towards the end, they are absolutely treatable. But the question is, at what cost? Do you want to treat this infection and make them stay in this life, in this state longer? Or do you want to not treat it and allow them to go, to end? the suffering that they are going through. Now that's a hard choice because it's treatable, whether it's diabetes or a kidney infection or pneumonia or, 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 or the myriad of things that it could be. There are so many ways that they can end up passing. Now in my mom's case with with diabetes, part one of the symptoms of Lewy body is that they lose their taste buds. And I don't know about you, but eating something that's like having a chip with hummus, I might love it because I love the way it tastes and the extra salt and the, the creaminess and the chickpea flavor and all that stuff. But to somebody who doesn't have taste buds, it is just something mushy, saucy, and something crunchy. It's only a texture. You can't taste it. You eat a burger and it's just a bunch of mush. It's There's no flavor to it. So do you want, would you want to continue eating when you can't taste anything that you're eating? Ironically, the last taste bud to go happens to be sweet. Now, that taste bud being the last one to go, coupled with diabetes, is not a great combination. My mom's taste buds, I noticed on our trip to Switzerland, her bucket list trip, she's losing her taste buds. We, would, we toured a chocolate factory and I gave her a piece of dark chocolate. And to me, that was very bitter. And yet it had notes of vanilla and it had notes of this and that and the other. My mom took a bite and she said that has no flavor. Mm. We had uh, a burger and she ate it and she was like, eh, it was okay. To Jay and I, it had a lot of flavor. To my mom, it was, it doesn't really have much flavor. Now, in this case, Do you push them to continue eating healthy foods because that's what will keep them alive? Or do you allow them to make their own choices and acknowledge that 
it might be more carbs and more sugar and it will make her blood sugar go crazy. And that could be what takes her out. Do you force them to eat foods that they wouldn't think are delicious anyway? Or do you allow them to eat the foods that bring them comfort and joy that they remember eating? You know, I remember eating the most flavorful mac and cheese. And so eating mac and cheese, they can remember the flavor and maybe help them eat something that way because they remember what it tastes like. So, or do you take away that mac and cheese and put something healthier there in the name of keeping them alive longer? Why are you keeping them alive longer? What are your motivations? What are their wishes? I needed to come to terms with the fact that I don't, I want her to enjoy the time that she has left. I need to support her in that. And while I can encourage her to have eggs with her toast or eggs with her cereal, I can make sure that she has um, protein like fruits, um, like nut and fruit snacks or protein bars or um, cashews or almonds, stuff that will be a little bit healthier. And she does know the flavor of them and they are going to be better for her glycemic index than just cereal or ice cream or jello. I can help encourage, I can buy her the food, I can go with her to the store, or I can help her order her groceries, making sure that there's stuff that will help sustain her while letting her have those things that have always been a comfort to her and enjoy those things that make her happy at this time. All the while knowing that she has the power to choose. I don't want to draw it out. I don't, I don't want her to keep I don't want to keep her here just because I don't want to let her go I don't want her to suffer longer than she needs to and quite honestly that means that I'm not suffering either and if you hail back to one of my previous episodes those thoughts are perfectly normal because there will come a day that she is gone and I will feel relieved that doesn't mean that I want her to die a painful, horrible death. But it does mean that I want her to find peace. And I recognize the relief that I will get when she's gone. And I will feel guilty for that relief. And I will feel grateful for the relief at the same time. It will be a conundrum. For now, I recognize and I have to remind myself that a myriad of things can take her out. And it's not in her best interest to keep her here. She has already given me her end-of-life wishes. She knows what she wants. I know what she wants. No matter how confused or lucid she may seem when she says to the doctor, it's okay, let's just cancel the DNR for this moment. I know how my mom wants to live out the rest of her days. And I know that it may be something completely out of the blue 
that takes her out. I also know that there may be a time when we end up deciding to stop treating the thyroid and the blood pressure and the diabetes and all of the other things that her body is currently being treated for, but her body is saying, I'm shutting down. Medically, we are keeping her alive. Medically, we are saying, we want to keep this body that was given to you by God and by your parents when you came into this life. This body is saying, I'm done. But medically, we have the power to change that. Medically, we can override your internal system that says it's time. And so why don't we do that? Why don't medically we say, never mind, let's keep you on but what's the quality of life and why? And what does your person actually want? Would your person want to be non-responsive in a bed, having somebody else bathe them and change them and feed them? The reality is something will finally be the trigger for the end. And it probably isn't dementia in and of itself. It will be one of the underlying symptoms and causes that come about with that diagnosis. The body itself will shut down and be finished with its existence here. Keeping in mind, that's okay. It's going to suck. And yet the hope is making sure that they are honored the way that they want to be honored. And you have the power to do that. You have the power to help them leave this world the way that they want. I love my mom. It is scary, terrifying, infuriating, frustrating to think that I cannot control this. I cannot plan for this. I cannot say, all right, we are going to go from A to B to C to Z. We are going to go all the way and we know exactly how it's going to go. And I know exactly how you're going to die and it's going to be okay. I cannot give myself that reassurance and I can't give my mom that reassurance either. All I can do is roll with the punches love her and give her the best of me that I can give her as she deteriorates and moves on. Give yourself a breather. Give yourself a hug. It's a scary, ugly disease that so many people are dealing with and it keeps increasing. The sad thing is more and more people are dealing with it. The good thing is the more people that deal with it, the more that there will be a public cry for research and understanding on how to help and improve it. Improve the situation, improve the state of being of all of the people that are dealing with it and the caregivers that are there offering the support and navigating everything as they move on. Dementia is not final cause of death. Take a breather knowing that. It's kind of a shock when you stop and think about that. And yet when you know that and you can think about it, it means that you can talk to your person and you can understand better what their real end of life wishes 
are. At what point do they really want to move to comfort care? Have it written out. Have it as specific as you can. In my case, I know that my mom will be able to go with dignity because of her dementia directives. I know that there is the chance that my mom will still have a decent amount of memory because of the point at which she wants to be let go. That my mom will be more self-sufficient and less dependent on others because those are her wishes. And that brings me peace because I know that she won't be living in a way that she really doesn't want to. And that also means that it could be a UTI. It could be pneumonia. It could be aspiration. It could be, it could be the diabetes that take her away from me because it will be something like that where her body finally shuts down and says, I'm done. And that will be a merciful gift for her and for me, while it will also be a heartbreaking decision and moment. That was a heavy one. Um, do a little self-care. In fact, I encourage you to do a little self-care immediately after listening to this one because it is heavy and it is mind-boggling when you actually think about it. And um, and yet it can also be empowering to know that, oh, okay, so there are other ways and um, the fear of the unknown, you know? So I love you. Thank you for listening. Give yourself some self-care. I'm going to go do some right now because, you know, um, yeah, I'll see you again next week here on Louis Body and Mindful Caregiving. Take care. Thank you.